I'm standing on the edge of a cliff. Oh yeah. I have to catch every Cisco before they fall over. Oh yeah. I have to come out and catch them. Oh yeah. I'd just be the catcher in the wormhole and all. Bashir is a phony. Hello and welcome to the Rules of Acquisition, a podcast where we will be going through every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the greatest sci-fi show to really, really make you think about shit, man. Uh, (laughs) With me, as always, is James Nolan. Hey, guys. And Hugh Crawford. Hello. My name is Wade Bowen. We are talking about an episode called Field of Dreams in Space. <laughs> yeah. Or as I think of it as the one where everyone says it makes them cry. Or Trekkies, anyways. I don't know about you regular people out there. Okay, so what do we think? Or no, uh, well, you know, Hugh's got to give the whole Yeah, I was going to. You're going to step on everybody. I forgot yeah. our protocol. You're going to step on everybody's dick tonight, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is uh, episode two of season four. Uh, it originally aired on October 9th, 1995, and the IMDb description is as follows. Melanie, an aspiring writer, wants to know why Jake Sisko stopped writing at 40. Jake tells how his father died in an accident, and then suddenly... Re- you go. James, James is chomping at the bit to find out what we think about this. James, you want to go first? I don't. Okay. Uh, Wade, do you want to go first? Yeah, this is a great episode, right? I mean... This is one of the ones that everybody considers one of the greatest episodes of the series. I'm curious whether y'all are, either of you are heartless people who don't have any feelings or anything. I don't, I don't know. But <laughs> so not liking this episode is a moral failing. Yeah, yeah, I think it might be. I don't know. I love this episode. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right. You, you were, you tweeted, I mean, you texted that us before. That, yeah, I was fucking he, with you. Yeah, he broke was like, protocol. Uh, for those of you who you know want to know how the sausage is made, we don't talk about the show at all with each other before we go on air. So you know it keeps everything fresh and live. Uh, so whenever James broke protocol and made a joke about this episode, we thought we were in for it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, made a joke about oh this one. No, remember when's it gonna? When's this show gonna get good? And then I thought like maybe he didn't. Maybe. Maybe it was a cheesy kind of overall, like, not great episode. And then I watched it again tonight, and I was like, James better have been joking or, like, what the fuck is wrong with him? We, we, I think we would lose all of our fan bases if I hated this episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, this is the one where everybody cries when they watch it. I loved it until Bashir ruined it with his old age acting. No. <laughs> with his old Muppet voice. Yeah. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm an old man. <laughs> that did happen. That totally happened, guys. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, no, I love this episode. I thought it was... Uh, I thought it was worryingly great the most comparable episode is probably inner light from the next generation right right well it's like it's a life lived outside of circumstances in a way that yeah that that you have this sort of that someone gets to carry with them hugh hasn't said what he thought yet so no because you were you were you were going you were you were talking so i didn't want to no i know okay (laughs) okay (laughs) we talk Um, all over each other all the time man you can do it i uh i i think i liked it I liked it okay. I wasn't in love with oh, it. Oh, shit. Um, you know, I really like what they were going for. I think that they took... they took. This is what I want from Star Trek at this point, though. I want them to... If they're going to have tropes, and this is a trope, 
you know, where you have, yeah, you it, have a, this is a trope. This is a, just like a very well-established Star Trek trope where you have somebody due to some technical shenanigans lost and has to be recovered due to some technical shenanigans. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much, they have one of these almost every, every series. Um, this one decided to tell the story differently and go backward through time in a way. Yeah, well, I mean, it's resolved by going backward through time. You know, showing a character that nobody thinks of when they think of Star Trek, you don't think of an old recluse, right, like J.D. Salinger type. Yes. Right? So <laughs> yeah. that was kind of an interesting... They, they were trying to make it interesting, and I think they succeeded. Mm-hmm. And they tried to give what is an established Star Trek trope an emotional core, which you could do on a show where you have a father-son relationship. Yeah. And I think for the most part, it succeeded. I have some notes. I have a few <laughs> Okay. I have a few problems with the episode, but overall I liked it. Mm. I, I don't think I'll ever be in the mood to watch The Visitor. Huh. Really? Right. But I, you I tend to like you tend to not just like to wallow in emotional like heft, right? Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment of me. <laughs> I think that's yeah. A, yeah. Like, you don't just like if you denied it, I was going to agree with James that yeah, like, no, yeah. I think you James is you right. You don't just want to go watch the. You don't want to go watch Magnolia like all right. the time, right? <laughs> right? 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 Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I want to watch two unrelated men dying of cancer and the problems that their family has to deal with. (laughs) Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, Oh, let's just strip away all the pretense and just like, let's just have the raw emotion. Maybe it's overwrought, but but okay. So this is, he he was right. The bare bones of this, like in a, in a pitch to like the plot, there's no way that you would, you could tell the story really bad. In like the second season. Oh yeah, where it would have well, it would have been an O'Brien story. Yeah, well, right? it would probably been an O'Brien story. <laughs> but even late into the writing of this and into the starting into production, the idea of bringing Tony Todd into it as opposed to using Ciroc Lofton that was a late addition to the episode. They, were gonna... they should have had Tony Todd play all the old characters <laughs> and just just uh, Freaky just... Friday this thing or our, uh, our Parent Trap this, being John Malkovich this thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, no, uh, but they were going to ask Ciroc Lofton to play this role through the breadth of the episode. I mean, Ciroc does a great job in the scenes that he's in, I will He's I good think. in this episode, but, but he's to- a 15-year-old boy. And, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah like, but Tony, yeah, I wouldn't ask him to play a 100-year-old man or however old. Yeah. You can age and, yeah, you know. And apparently... like, But Tony Todd, I thought, was yeah, amazing. Yeah, no, he was amazing, but, and apparently in his... He was, I was, there was an interview where he was giving where he was like, This is the first job he took. Like, he, I guess he was raised by his aunt, and his aunt had died three months before this episode started filming. Oh, wow. And he had turned down roles. It, like, he was in like a extended mourning period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is the first one he, in, and so, like, you know, like, I think he, he was ready to do this, I guess, is the way to look at this. And he was, oh, yeah. He was in a space that this could, you know, feel real, and I, and that that I gotta admit that this feels real. Yeah. So, oh, he, uh, I mean, he, that... he seems to. That's like a spot on old, uh, old Jake casting. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. he yeah. really like. It felt like it was Jake. Yeah, it did. Yeah, like it, even when middle aged Jake and him, like his mannerisms, looked like things that Ciroc Lofton might do as an yeah. old man. It was, I don't know. I thought it was pretty amazing. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, I think that, that that's the, it was just a brilliant cast. This guy cast this. I mean, he's a great American character actor. I mean, he's been on Star Trek before as he plays worst brother. Yeah. Um, he, like, even like four episodes from now, 
I think. Like, <laughs> like uh, I mean, like, so he's been Candyman. He's one of the great, like, <laughs> you know, 80s, 90s villains. I love him in Candyman. Don't mock it. Like, no, he's my I'm favorite. Yeah. Of the Freddy Krueger, like, of, of Michael Myers, like, Candyman was the one that scared the shit out of me the most. <laughs> I don't know why. I mean, don't make me go watch it. <laughs> bees, man. It's because bees. Bees in the ghetto. <laughs> like, there was something about yeah, that yeah. that was always super, super fucking scary to me. No, I mean, I think he's just a great great actor he still works today he's um he's in flash i don't watch flash what he's zoom i watch he's flash zoom? oh oh that's throat okay that's not the height of dramatic i acting. don't know what am i supposed to say, say that. he's still working that's that's no i'm just saying <laughs> like i've watched that's true i know i'm just saying it's a waste that he's just playing zoom now because zoom was i'm an evil person blah 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 and it, you know, and now I I recognize his voice now that you point that out. But he never takes a stupid mask. Oh, really? Yeah, I think he's the Flash is a fun show, but it's not. It's it ain't. I think he's a, also also a pivotal voice actor in Dota two, and I think that's probably making him a ton of money. <laughs> but oh yeah, I mean he's probably doing. He's still working, so he's probably doing okay. Yeah, it's, actually, Flash has a lot of DS nine. There's one of the characters. His name is Cisco. Oh really? But who's the showrunner yeah, on Flash? And, I bet it's. Michael Taylor. No, it's not. No, but but also um, Lita uh, Chase Masterson had a bit part <sighs> one episode. She still puts it on her bio. Oh, but, she uh, should. I thought they were going to make her. It seemed like they were going to make her a bigger love interest character. And a love interest did. for the Flash. Uh, no, for Flash's stepdad. Oh, the the who is also the cop. Yeah, the cop whose daughter. I've watched enough it's Flash. It's a weird and show. He, 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 you know, his adopted father who he's going to marry his stepsister. Yes, yes. Or whatever. The, the, the father that didn't <laughs> apply a lot of boundaries to the to the lifestyle. Right, um, right. I mean, it's a yeah. fun show, but whatever. And then the the wormhole, the speed force is basically wormhole aliens. But that's not what this podcast is about. <laughs> We're here to talk about a fucking great episode of Star Trek called The Visitor. We would have a larger but worse audience if we just talked about the flesh. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe we can work that in. Yeah, and this is this is about the but visitor. Tony Todd though. is great. Tony Todd is a great actor, and they were very smart to call him in to play this role. And I think that it, I think that he carried the weight in the because I think that you run the risk of going like. The first ten minutes, this is is Tony Todd talking to I don't know, like I, I want to say a nothing actress, but she's actually uh, Andrew Robinson's daughter. Oh, really? I thought she was fine, but yeah, I was wondering if she ever showed up. In yeah, she's else. Andrew Robinson's daughter. I don't know what else she's done, but um, oh, okay, Melanie yeah. is the character. And like you watch these two actors that have nothing to do with Star Trek at all, and yeah, you know now she's uh, like uh, you needed someone great to carry that, and 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 they did, yeah. And like the the makeup, when you first see him in the old age makeup, you don't think that's a guy in old age makeup. And then you see him in his like forties or whatever. It's like, oh, and you, you might notice the makeup, but it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not like when they threw Bashir in his old age makeup back in that Bashir's brain yeah. episode, or, or like whatever. when they throw Bashir in old ma- ma- age makeup in this episode. I think the thing that calls out Bashir's old age makeup is Bashir's <laughs> acting, but... And I, I'm i the guy that defends him, so uh, I don't want to... You know who was fantastic okay. in this episode under, like, the aging process was Nog? Yes. Uh, he was doing some voice work and making some deliberate choices with how he... Oh, yeah. His whole presence and tone. That was just fantastic. Oh, yeah. He, he was, was acting great, yeah. circles uh, around Bashir. 
No, it was. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. He, I also yeah. thought it, they missed yeah. like a, like a good opportunity. Like Jensi is fine. I'm not going to knock her, but it would also miss like a good opportunity of just having her having another actor play, like increase the weirdness of the time uh, of mm, like a time maybe pass because you're not going to have O'Brien there. You're not going to have like there's a ton of people they didn't have there. So well, uh, yeah. they want to actually well, think, have in that I timeline, say, I guess. I got uh, yeah, yeah yeah but so, uh, yeah, yeah but I mean even then I'm not saying well, playing with that I'm saying like just having like some dude like some young teen dude and, oh oh right there's yeah, another yeah, symbiote just have some, I thought like, you young meant like dude it. who's like helping Jake out and because it's oh like, that would have been interesting it doesn't have to be Jadzia Dex Jadzia Dex could have died and, right but I, I will if we if we do want to start getting into this episode and breaking it down mm-hmm. I will say that I thought that the use of the familiar characters was well done like how they break down like yeah. I see why they would want to make it Jadzia it's called The Visitor. I thought this episode should have been titled The Storyteller. Ah, but they already did. Yeah, but it also felt like almost a st- The Storyteller, Jim Henson show, just the, just the house <laughs> in New Orleans. Just the the design and the just the feel of it felt like an old man in front of a fireplace. I was expecting a big Muppet dog to show up and fluff around. So it it felt like almost the storyteller of a guy telling a story. Was that film? And that's the framing device. Was that device. filmed in the Disney Haunted House set? Uh, oh, is that it where was this was made filmed? to look exactly like it? Wow, really? I don't know why, but they because set designers I, get bored. I, I don't this, know. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, that's that's weird. Because no, I don't think the storyteller show that Jim Henson did before he passed on and everything. That didn't last very long. I don't think that it had... They weren't bought by Disney at that point, so (laughs) I don't know. I don't think, actually, this has anything to do with Muppets, except the set reminded me of the storyteller because it was a storytelling framing device. And also, later on, Bashir's voice (laughs) sounded like he was doing a Muppet voice. (laughs) Yeah. Hello, I'm an old man now. You drink so much coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right, we're done. All right, that's all of us here. That's all of us here. I don't hate him. I love him. But so, anyways, yeah, it's it's way in the future. Uh, this writer comes up to meet JD Salinger, Jake Sisko, and he's open to talk to her, and he's going to tell his story on this last night. Or whatever. This is absolutely based on JD Salinger. We're not just joking. Oh yeah, this is actually oh, really. Yeah, that's Michael what I, was, I mean, the the one book, the one book in the collected short stories. I'm like, that's a little bit on the nose. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't even put that together till you brought it up yeah. early, like five minutes, ten minutes ago. I was like, oh, that's exactly what mm-hmm. this was. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's little known that JD Salinger but, worked in astrophysics for the last years of his life. No, but this mm-hmm. is actually. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess that JD Salinger gave an interview to a 19 year old girl who came to his house. Yeah. Oh right. Yeah, that he ended up. Yeah. Uh-huh. Getting weird and that's what this is based on. Uh-huh. Not except for that part of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah this, this is classic. This is not uh-huh. weird. <laughs> Even though he is in a Cosby sweater the whole time. <laughs> all right. All right. Some I'm just saying. We don't want to have to put any trigger warnings up before this episode. That's an unfortunate <laughs> association yeah, with this. Right. I thought it was a timeless sweater that. But well, what? But whatever. Um. So yeah, he tells a story about they're doing a thing on the wormhole. Ben Sisko gets unstuck from time, basically, yes. because of a... That's uh, a long story. Yeah, of an ion. For, some stuff. Yeah, who cares? I, I, I wrote all the notes down, but it's not important to the story. It's mm. Technobabble explaining. He gets shocked by a transducer thing. Lightning bolt goes from the warp core to him to Jake, and he disappears, and he's dead, but he's... You know, and then 
old Tony Todd gives a whole spiel about, you know, it's like, oh, I don't think you could, anyone could get over that. Like, no, people get over that all the time, except yeah. they can know that the person's gone. And Jake is not able to do which that. Is like, which is a theme, which is the theme of the father, leftovers. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, we should bring this <laughs> My in. My children aren't that's dead, they're just that, gone. <laughs> right. Yes, and I think that he had the sort of the same... I guess lack of closure, yeah. Yeah, you can't let it go because, yeah, there's no closure to and, it. And then, know. like, very brief, I mean, like, within, like, a next scene or so, I mean, I guess in the current timeline of Deep Space Nine, Ben comes back. He phases in and out. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's not it was very quickly, Jake has confirmation that his father's not dead. He's just fucked up. Right, right. The first time he comes up, it's, like, for yeah. two seconds, and there's, like... And then, and that's also what I was saying about Dax. When he disappears, there's only three people on the Defiant that we see. It's only Ben Sisko, Jake Sisko, and then uh, Dax mm -hmm. in Ops for some reason. And I was like, really? There'd be other people there, but there may have been other people there, but they're not important to the story, to the emotional story of the episode. So they don't bother showing them. It's also, just about that. Also, O'Brien was filming them, Con Air at the time. No, well, like sure, they had to, like, it's, a, it's a whole clusterfuck. Like they had to write him out of the script. And oh, yeah. But I think it works just having it, the three of them. And then, uh, you know, because then later when he dis when. Uh, he disappears and he shows up, and then uh, Jake has this voiceover stuff about, well, you know, Dax is like takes it the worst and just tries to take care of him the most because that was my father's closest friend, mm -hmm. and she's the one that told me it was just a bad dream, and so she's kind of maternal to him, and so is Kira. Um, yeah. she, Kira has the one person that gives a speech that they show in, in the memorial service. She's... Jake can't give it because he's just too broken she's up She's particularly about it. great. She's in two scenes, both of which, yeah. Absolutely. Kira? Oh, yeah. Both, both of which is, like, pretty great. Uh, I guess, like, this is the only time I, like, I can bring this up on point. They changed her outfit for, for the rest of the show. Yeah. Kira's? like We've kind of complained about how the, the suit is not doing her any favor. And mm -hmm. uh, none of his, Nana Visitor also thought that, too. And so, so she's yeah. now in something that doesn't have shoulder pads and doesn't put lines along her ass cheek. I mean, it's not like sexy or anything, but it's just a, it's a, it's a different cut. But uh, the fans rebelled because they thought that they were trying to Baywatch her. <laughs> so, uh, so in this episode with the new costume. So there was like an I, online I, fan I petition. I didn't notice any of this stuff. I didn't either because it's all. Sh it's like not, her it's shots not, are all it's from not the, like the shoulder up. I don't understand why they call it Baywatch, but that's just what else. Like I guess there was an issue with it. Huh. Uh, but like I did notice that like like just from like a sartorial perspective, not a like a gross lusty James perspective, <laughs> just from a sartorial perspective, her suit was unflattering for three seasons. Oh, oh, I noticed that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah oh, I thought like, you were thinking Yeah, and they changed it. They changed it, but it pissed off the fan. And I think it was because they thought yeah, that they were trying to sexy up Kara. Are you sure it's not the opposite of that? Because I feel like fandom in the nineties was were, especially. Yeah, but I mean, I think you know there was a an alternate fandom that maybe have <laughs> been trying to like. Yeah. Oh. And, yeah. And the alternate fandom, those are the people yeah, that write yeah. letters. Yeah, like, You're right. Was, I mean, yes. <laughs> but, like I'm not trying to typify these people. There was just an issue about maybe they were trying to make her overly sexual. Sure, sure. But I think not a visitor just wanted to like. 
like it's not that sexual, but nonetheless. Yeah, yeah, especially in this. So episode, they changed the the Bajorans outfits. Yeah, because they, they were ridiculous before the they shoulder, were shoulder, shoulder pads. pads. They were like bandolero vest type thing, and then that they could take them off, and like she had the lacy top. Yeah, yeah, which they got rid of, and then they had the like the double lines, yeah. like the the hems along the ass cheeks. Yeah, was the, just yeah. like no one wants that on anything that they. Okay, so this is the start of it. This isn't necessarily when people started noticing. No, but yeah, this, this is, is the first switched. episode that they brought on the new outfit so okay because yeah this episode is i don't think you see her no they have a team there's a whole scene of her where she's filmed in like like a cameo silhouette and i've seen it's great by the way oh yeah i mean she's great in this whole yeah like at the memorial service jake is too he can't even talk but she's the only one she's like oh he was my emissary and my jesus but he's also my friend and and then the voiceover's like i couldn't even say anything because (laughs) blah 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 and then then he shows up, and then Dax just told me it was a bad dream. And then he shows up again. They take him into sick bay. Did anybody else have personal Jesus pounding through their head when she was giving that speech? <laughs> <laughs> I did not, but yeah, now yeah. I will forever. When a Jake is in sick bay, and he's like, "I should have felt you were alive the last time." I've felt you know all the guilt that he has for not doing everything. I should have known that you were still there. And then they try to get the transporter lock on him and put a force shield around. And then he still disappears and he dies again. And then Jake feels like he has to stay at the station. And Kira has a great short scene where she's like, "You need to go back to the Earth. Your grandfather wants you there. Go to the Pennington School." And he's like. I can't leave now because my dad's still alive and he might show up again. And then they have to turn the stations over to the Klingons because... And there was like a feeling that the station was the last thing he had of his father's. That the that his father they, made right. the yeah, station. Totally. They did a fantastic... And they did a fantastic oh. job making that connection throughout this whole episode. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the station really is another character, as lame as that is to say. <laughs> yeah. And, and how the, the station ages out in relationship to... Cisco uh, and his son, you know, whenever Nog comes back, and I'm sorry to say that it's not, you know, station's not in good shape. Mm-hmm. It's basically saying that, you know, your dad's work, all the all the work that your dad did and put into that place, it's, you know, not evident anymore. Yeah, so it, it's right. Yeah, and, there's a yeah. lot of good stuff in there. And they almost play up the Cisco the Builder thing because he even says like. When my father and I arrived here, it was just an abandoned husk, and he made it into something. Like, and you know, I can't leave that behind. Mm-hmm. They do a really good job. Like a lot of times, these sort of shows don't. I mean, I don't know. Your father died at a young age, or he didn't. Whatever the emotional impact of that has, that's a personal thing for whoever said to go through it. But it's also like a pretty. I mean, it's a limited club, and for work to sort of convey the emotion of that effectively to people who haven't experienced that it that's where writing that's where like craft comes in mm-hmm. and they did a real like they did a really good job michael taylor who's never wrote a script for this show until today he's now a prominent showrunner in in hollywood but i mean like he you know he was able to sort of convey that also renee echeverria apparently did a pretty hard rewrite of it too like it's pretty i mean it's pretty like pretty good at giving that information away yeah and in a in a very convincing way, while also ultimately kind of telling a complicated sci fi story. Yeah, yeah. That that pays off, you know. So like, I was kind of in awe of the whole episode. It was just that they kind of nailed these kind of just from a page perspective. This is perfect. So and 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 right, and high right. difficulty. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah. It jumps forward in time, and then 
Jake is telling the story to Melanie or whatever, and he's like, and eventually things got weird with the Klingons, and they gave the station to the Klingons, and that's what forces him off. He has to leave that, yeah, he has to leave that kind of burden behind, and he goes up, and then he goes goes to the Pennington School, and then his grandfather, which we still haven't seen yet. No, and this is, is this the first indication that the grandfather's alive? Um, I feel like they've no, ref- this no. is this, this is this is like the second reference. Okay. Yeah, and it's not like in the first season when it, the intimation is that he's, he's dead. Clearly, like all these folks have a past. He's dead, too. and also Cisco has brothers. Yep. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he talks about his grandfather being so proud of him, and 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 you know, and the framing story of this is clearly in New Orleans, and old Jake almost almost has a New Orleans accent, you know? Yeah, I think Tony Todd can probably, but, uh, he's probably got that in his back pocket. So he's forced to go back, and then he's happy because he's left it, you know, he's finally laid his burden behind or whatever, and then he's got his, he's got a new, he's got a Bajoran wife who's a, uh, Black Bajoran, which we haven't seen a lot of them. I didn't. I didn't. They know. don't ever she, make it. She's Bajoran. I didn't even notice. If you pay attention, she's got the nose. Ridges. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying I just didn't notice. No, no, oh, no. she is absolutely you, Bajoran. That's yeah, a callback right. to totally like right. his no, taste. He likes, he likes Bajorans. Like that's the thing. Yeah. 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 I mean, I thought that was fun. That was. I got you know, it. You're right. You're right. Uh, I just cor- didn't notice. Yeah. 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 I'm not saying. <laughs> okay. I'm, yeah. It's it's yeah. interesting. That's all I'm pointing out. Yeah. Ruffles have ridges. Yeah. And he can't eat just one. You know that. He can't take just one bite, fellas. He can leave them though, because that's no. But anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. Right. She's she's a she's pretty quickly uh, like a like a like I mean usually I would this is the point where I would critique like her, like being like a a standard good good girl like but I mean like they got a lot of work to do yeah yeah. So the idea that he's happy with her and that she's clearly a supportive and available wife yeah well and she's yeah it's not they don't have time yeah Yeah, they 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 have i'm sure they have personal drama and conflicts going on that's just not part of the story yes (laughs) yeah they have the whole wedding and yeah black and red fish they have it at the grandfather's at the the restaurant and then naga stopped uh being shitty to girls oh yeah 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 these woods are crawling (laughs) with perfect good slugs and you want to eat black and red fish and and, and he's written a book called Anselm 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 uh, I about said Anselm Anselm <laughs> <laughs> right because Louisiana is close to Mississippi that's all I'm saying Faulkner yeah, book it's people a, it's, a, it's, <laughs> it's, it's the greatest Faulkner book people I was like oh that's a great name for a book oh that's yeah. right because it's, it's Faulkner, Faulkner book. book Anselm and uh, I guess at this point in the story he's written a short story too a collection of short stories he's a collection of short stories so, yeah. so he's written Catcher in the Ryan nine stories and <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and when he died, well, he hasn't written Raise High the Roof Games. <laughs> yes, yet, so. he hasn't, yes. But uh, yeah, Salinger published a little bit more <laughs> than, <laughs> than, than uh, Jake Sisko did. But uh, he yeah. stopped. Uh, and then Nog comes and visits, and he's happy, and Court got another moon, and Morn runs the bar on Deep Space Nine. It, and oh, talks all and, the time and gets drunk. Yeah, and, and he's also won the Betar Prize for short stories for the... Collection, or yeah, that was uh, that, right? Not Morn, uh, Jake. <laughs> Morn went the oh, um, not yeah. Morn, no, uh, yeah, but but, but yes, that was after the totally 21st correct. century sad puppies got thrown out uh, <laughs> <laughs> after whatever the 24th century equivalent of Chuck Dingle as the lead, yeah, right, right. Well, yeah, yeah, they don't like black authors, is what you're saying. Oh, well, they it? didn't want to read a bunch of, bu- yeah, yeah, no, so uh, I don't even know where that joke was going, but anyway, so this is where Jake, <laughs> this was the scene where I think that was the most powerful scene. 
that Avery Brooks sort of like you get like oh, these like yeah. spontaneous. Yeah. You can kind of tell when it's about time for one in the story. You can kind of yeah. feel it, and they feel it too. But like you get these like Avery Brooks enters in, and you, and I guess it's momentary for him. Right? right. Yeah. He I think he's just... waking up, like he's like leaving and then entering these new areas like momentarily and so you you right and this yeah. is the scene where he's most shocked because his son is the most happiest and also he's gone from being sir rock lofton to yeah Tony that's Tom. true yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's like whoa, 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 jake yeah. you've grown up quite a bit <laughs> you can start ch- challenging that's Keith. enough to jar anybody yeah. isn't it you can start. Yeah. but he knows exactly i'll give him i'll give i'll give benjamin cisco credit he he knows exactly that it's his son even though he looks yep uh, somewhat different yeah. he's like jake but you know that's that father-son connection he knows immediately that that's his son so now you and can i just say real quick while we're while we're here something about the story that i like um that irritates me actually in a different episode because miles o'brien had a similar problem where he was phasing in and out of time mm-hmm. and he was instead of being connected to you know his child he was connected to his past self <laughs> who sell five minutes but ago it, yeah but it was never explained at least in this they have some nonsense reason why no matter where jake goes cisco appears mm-hmm. and that's all i ask of these yeah of these things you know like, like i just need a little nonsense reason why why this is happening yeah and they go out of their way even when they show the initial accident to show like a lightning bolt from the work core to benjamin cisco to jake yeah to Jake, I noticed that on a rewatch. That, that, well, I'm just saying the technical nonsense is even tighter than normal. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It is pretty tight. No this, pun, yeah. as we explain, as we unveil the time. <laughs> the technical <laughs> yeah, right, nonsense right. later. Yeah, yeah, but you're we'll saying that, that, yeah, yeah. that O'Brien had no reason to go back to O'Brien in that episode. Yeah, right. They never explained why O'Brien kept on going back to himself. Or no matter where O'Brien was, he would always yeah. Yeah. see another yeah. O'Brien. Well, yeah, if you're getting metaphysical about your personal frequency, maybe that's where you would resonate in space-time. Okay, put that line yeah. in there, yeah. Wade. Yeah. Put oh, it in. Right. ADR. Right. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm just saying. Yeah. In my director's cut of Deep Space Nine, 30 years later, I'll, I'm going to take here. a picture. But, of, but the I'm problem do is, all, is your ROM voice is the best yeah. one, so you would have to do it as your ROM character. <laughs> right. Well, I'm going to do all the voices. That's. Uh, I mean, is that yes. is that presumptuous of me? Is that <laughs> right. arrogant? I'm, I'm no, going to do no. everybody's voice. Yeah, but this is also the first time that you get where you have Avery Brooks dealing with Jake Sisko on par with a, like a, a like an adult trained actor yeah yeah so like you get the next three scenes are just like the shit man these are like what i live for it's it's like two high-powered actors meeting like on the level and you get these relationships that you're not like i guess at this point they're the same age theoretically uh the first time when he shows up after nog's left and it's just him and corana his Mm -hmm. wife and she shows up it's like oh i already called the starfleet sciences offices i'm not sure it might be that time where he says no it's 20 years so he's 36 so let's say that Avery. Yeah, he's thirty. He's probably in his forty. Right. So he's not old yeah. yet. But he's he's yeah he's probably you're right. He's probably thirty six at that point. And he sees that he has this beautiful wife, and he's it's everything you want your kid to be. He, yeah, and he's like, oh, it's a, I'm so happy, and you're he's my son's a successful author. I can relate to I life. can relate to those feelings. I, I have a kid boy, I, and like I can relate to like 
oh, look, you didn't totally fuck up your life. Right, right. This is awesome. Like, the feeling of that has to be good. Like, you know, like, I could totally relate to that. And then the wife is like, oh, wait, you want to see Jake's books? And unlike other books, they're real books, except with, you know, hologram covers from the 90s. Yeah, they do. <laughs> but, uh, they're sp- they got space print on them. Not pads. I thought they were video. I thought it was video. It had like a, it, like a video It had like screen. a Rob Liefeld X-Force 2 hologram <laughs> yeah, color. Yeah, 90s. Like, <laughs> like, All right. It had like yeah. holofoil printing. Like it was, a, mm-hmm. it was a rare, it was a rare printing, I guess. I don't know. But okay, so after that time, after Cisco finds out about his son's success. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, they had that. None of it matters because I thought you were gone. It's like, no, all of it matters. And it's just mm-hmm. dramatically great. None of it matters. Now that I know that you're out there lost somewhere, of course it matters. Well, but well, I'm just saying at that what that's the point where he gives up on his work, though, yeah. right? Things fall apart right. in his personal life. Oh yeah, because I noticed when he says he's 37, he went back to school for such space yeah. mechanics. That hit a note for me because. <laughs> I'm 37 years old, and I'm like, I don't want to go back to school. <laughs> you gotta go shit. figure out. <laughs> I'm too old yeah. for that you shit. You gotta go say your dad. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm like, yeah. Well, I mean, my dad's still around. He's a good guy, you know. But, yeah. <laughs> I'm the age of Jake Cisco when he went back to school for science. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't have that in me, James. <laughs> that's, that's, I can't that's do it. that. You're, you're saying that like the stakes were really for him, for him to do that. The stakes had to be pretty damn high. Yeah, it felt amazing to me because I see all this other stuff about people younger than me talking about. Oh, I got. And that the, I, I wasn't successful until I was older, you know, like when I was 33. And I'm like, fuck <laughs> you. <laughs> Makes me feel like a piece of shit. <laughs> and now that I know that Jake Sisko can go b- learn subspace mechanics at 37, that gives me hope. That's all oh, I'm okay. saying. Okay, no, no, I get you that. Yeah. Except it doesn't. Um, Except it, I, I, I'm without hope. I'm no, not. no, no. I, I follow. Uh, I, I tend to like follow and root for late bloomers uh, mm-hmm. too in things and endeavors. So. Yeah, but the late bloomers are getting younger and younger. Than yeah, I but am. there are some like George Sanders is a pure late bloomer. I think like uh, the best writer. Well, yeah. nevertheless, at this point in the of the episode, it bloomed into him going tits up with his personal relationship yeah, with basically his wife, though, right? Yeah, that yeah, yeah. He gets obsessed now, and that's the kind of counter theme that I like, where we tend to, like, in sci-fi stories, you want to, like, the, the tide-focused person to achieve the mission is the right thing. He's doing the right thing. But all of these, like, this meeting, like, threw Jake on the worst trajectory yeah. possible, which is, to, I mean, it, it's ultimately not. It's to save his but but anyway, but like but like this this idea that he threw his life away at this point to save his father because he figured out that there is some sort of I guess that this is where we start using the word tethering between the two. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, so. yeah. He goes back to school. Like after that, he went back to school for such space mechanics, getting his undergrad, I, I guess. And then Karina is supportive, but then by grad school, she's they're living apart. And by the time he's getting his doctorate. It's over. They're not talking. Then he's a scientist expert in this shit to get his father back, and then they go back to the wormhole. She started hanging out with him. She started talking a lot to her Facebook friends. Yeah. Um, Yeah, the worst. He would would come home, and sometimes Nog was there, like, uh, waiting for Jake to come home. But, I mean, like, it's weird. (laughs) No, I I think Nog was just, like, a true Nog did not fuck Jake's wife. No. (laughs) Yeah, that is not not Nog. Because she, yeah, yeah, that is not, yeah. Now, if if she come if he comes home from work one day and she's in 
her bedroom and she's chewing up grubs and then the, there's nobody <laughs> else there. <laughs> you need to check the closets at that point. Right. Why, you need to why go are you under the bed? Why are you why sitting are you? on the bed in your nightgown chewing grubs all by yourself? Am I supposed to believe you're all by yourself? <laughs> why are you baby birding into that yeah. bucket? Yeah. I don't. <laughs> but the Nog stuff was great because it, you got to see his trajectory and his trajectory was great and he filled into the role fantastically. Mm-hmm. Oh, so great. He was yeah. ambitious, ambitious officer starfleet officer when we first see him talking about making captain before he's 40 and then eventually he's got enough juice within starfleet when he makes captain to like you know get whatever ships he wants you know and whatever crew members he wants yeah yeah the fine out of mothballs and then we get Uh, and if you if you would notice there we're the exact same uh, future uniforms of the federation that was shown in the last episode of the next generation oh is that why they (laughs) suck so bad (laughs) yes yes they're the exact same they're the (laughs) because i saw them like those are a little overly complicated and like that's when people thought oh it's the future we have to make it more florid and Instead of yeah. more like baser, you know, simplistic designs, which I don't know. At least then I'll go back to jumpsuits. I was suits. wondering if they came up with the, those outfits on their own or what they're based they're on. They're from all good things. So it's the same ones from the oh, okay. I think it's the last episode of TNG. 14 years after Jake is 37 or 36, they go into space uh, to because the worm hill is going to flip. Is this the 50 years? Uh, yeah, 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 that's right. So the wormhole's going to flip, and he's got a plan, and he's got to assemble the old crew, which is Dax and Bashir. No Kira, no Odo, right. no O'Brien. Yeah, well, from the first initial thing, it was only that we saw. It was only Kira, and but then they bring Bashir in because they need some of the old guys, and he's like, oh, uh, these 2D screens are so yeah. crazy to work with. Instead of these three D interfaces, and except he except he does it in a Muppet voice because of the makeup, which is kind of weird. Because oh, these three D, which is kind of weird because it's like a, I guess a Tony Stark kind of thing that we assume is technology that's like a few years off from us now. But anyway, yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you meant Dax, not Kira. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Terry Farrell is. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you drink, yeah. <laughs> Terry Farrell's got a, a nice uh, older lady, dignified lady makeup, and Bashir is just. Fucking like it's I'm an old yeah. Like they hitch up his pants, I think, and that's enough. Yeah. But like, yeah, and they do like banter. Yeah. I, at first I was afraid that they were like, are they setting up that <laughs> Julian and Dax like got together in old age? But they're not. Yeah. Thankfully, she's like, and you're just talking about your fucking kids. And he's like, wow, well, well, and then he's like, yeah, Simon. This old is man. all like weird <laughs> post uh like post like situational writing. Because it was originally supposed to be that after he died, Kira didn't raise him, but Keiko and O'Brien did. O'Brien and Bashir were on the ship at the end, and their old man banter was supposed to be funnier. That makes There's sense. There's something about that it, it, it interfered with the Con Air filming. <laughs> like, so. Well, you know what? Here's the thing. As, as great as Kalmini is... I don't feel like this episode missed him that much. I think this no, episode got along yeah. fine. No, I, I know. Yeah. It just, it, it, it I led agree. to that. That's where it led to this sort of, I think all of the little off writing. I think the Kira, or I think the deck, sorry, I do it now. You look what you're doing to me. The yeah, Dex, sorry, it's my fault. Uh, Bashir scenes were particularly weak. Cause I think they, I don't think they were weak. I thought they were fine. I need I coffee thought, to listen to your yammering. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, 
the writing was fine. <laughs> okay. I saw it as like the whole series is kind of set up, kept going with this will they, won't they with Julian and uh, mm-hmm. Dax. And so this kind of sets up well enough. We were like, oh, did they? And then she says like, oh, then it sets up that they're just good friends. And he's talking about his grandkids all the time. Yeah. Not their grandkids. And I was like, okay. <laughs> All right, good job. Maybe they in later maybe they in later life hooked up. I don't know. They had a <laughs> thirty year plan. If we're talking about forward planning and spoilers in this episode, I was saving that for the end. <laughs> this is where I guess now at this point Benjamin Cisco doesn't come onto the ship, but Jake Cisco gets sucked off of it to the like the to the white place. I don't know. To the to, Yeah. And he's like, they're both like, where could this ever be? And it's like you're in the wormhole, you dumbass. Yeah, you've been, you've met the prophets before, but they're like, oh. and then they, and then this because is where the Avery Brooks is just super like hard on. Yeah, he's like, I, you're you're older than yeah, I am. You fucked you know, up that, your that, life, that, Jake. I wanted grandchildren, one, but bef- more than where my grandkids, son <laughs> of a bitch. It's more like, don't I didn't want you to focus on me. I wanted my son to have a life not focused on me. To Jake, what's happened to you? I mean, overall, I mean, and eventually they're separated again, right? And and then Cisco disappears, and then they re- he reappears one more time, and it's when and this is particularly moving. Yeah, Jake decides that he you know in order to like see, it was still fuzzy to me the actual nuts and bolts of this, but Jake has to die to sever the connection mm-hmm. between the two. Once the connection is severed, then. Cisco will go back in time. They have like a bungee cord. They have like a subspace bungee cord yeah, between they, them. They've thrown a little bit of techno babble in here, but I feel like it's techno babble that works. Yeah, yeah it's the but sub- it was a little thin for me because I I had a hard time. So like, they have this. I had to rewind. I'm like, wait, what? So they have <laughs> this like like I guess that you're supposed to look at it as like a bungee cord between them. Yeah, totally. And yeah. the further apart that they get, then that snaps Avery Brooks back. And then that, it, and that's why he shows up. And then, it, and that's when he shows up. And then it bounces him back, and it goes further. So each time, it's a further distance away. And Jake sort of calculated this, so he knows that this is the time, and he knows that this is what's going on. And so the first scene of the f- whole episode, which you don't know what's going on, is he puts like a little thing to his neck and injects it. Oh, that happened in the first. Yeah, it's Chekhov's suicide. That makes sense because that was the question I had because in the last scene, you know that that's what he's setting up because he keeps talking about this is my last night yeah. and, and joking about dying and stuff to Melanie. And then he's at the last scene with Cisco finally shows up, smile. he wakes up and his father's smiling at him. And I my whole thing was like, you didn't even know when he showed up to take the poison, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, what happened? I get, but he figured out the, the diagnostics well enough. Yeah, that he knew the exact to, time. Okay, James, just to, just to be clear, you're talking about the literary reference Chekhov's gun, yes. not the original series Chekhov's thing from his yes. neck. <laughs> like, Chekhov's right. suicide thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. In Russia, we, we get these plot points down perfectly. The thing that's kind of like a nice little addition, I mean, because at this point, and he's the Cisco, or the, he's the Jake Cisco that we've seen the whole episode, but he's excessively old. And so he kind of daughters off, and like his father, who's like young strapping like lead of the show kind of wakes him up because he's like nodded yeah. off and it was like oh is this like a fa-? like you know the novelty 20 15 minutes ago was watching two a father and son at about the same age 
this is watching father yeah, like yeah. where the son is considerably old right. and and dotty but, and and yeah yeah and that that in itself is kind of like a strange only science fiction can give us this kind of moment right but it's just a mm-hmm. nice shot for him to wake up cuz it's been night and then he wakes up and his father's smiling at him yeah and he's read his book <laughs> yeah in the meantime he's like this is his great new book yeah and then he's like wait a minute and then he realizes that he was going to kill himself. He's like, mm-hmm. no, 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 that's not what I want. I mean, that's not what any father And he finds him for that, but he's like, no, like, you're going to get out of this situation, and I'm still going to be alive. <laughs> like, like I've mm-hmm. fixed the problem. But then he says, like, that, 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 I guess what was moving and what makes everybody cry in this episode is where he says, like, you're saving your, I'm saving you, but I'm saving myself because that little boy... Needed you more than you would ever know. Yeah, needs you. And like basically that that Cisco's life is a wasted life and like a cautionary tale of I guess for how much Jake still needs. Right. Benjamin. Right. And I do think that they've done a pretty good job in their interactions over the last few episodes of showing like a teenager's distancing from his parents. Right. In a way where Jake is yeah, slipping yeah. away. He's dating hookers. He didn't want to go on like the <laughs> like he didn't want to go on like the boat excursion. That there is this sort of my kid ain't a boy anymore. And that that's disappointing yeah, yeah. to me. And I think that that and I'm not here, but I've talked to parents who've gone through it. That that is like a that is a thing you have to steal yourself for is because teenagers don't want you anymore. As like, you know, we went through it. I didn't fucking want my yeah. parents when I was 15. It's like they're juggling with pretty big emotional thing. You can only do again. He. Like with Hugh's point that you can only do if you have a family. If you're writing a story about yeah. a family, you guys want to wrap up this episode. Basically, Jake figures out what how, how to solve it. He dies, and then he tells Cisco to dodge the lightning bolt, and he does, and they're fine. But the central theme of this show is of this particular episode. Now, this is kind of one thing I wanted to debate before we get into the IMDb thing. Do you think that it's basically a cautionary tale about obsession giving way in your life, corroding other everything? I think so, but there's a sort of snap thing at the end where the obsession pays off. That's why I want to talk about it in that context of, the, of like, what, the, what are they trying to achieve right. thematically? What is the point of view I think that that's true, that this obsession over death and this uh, not moving on and not letting things go is uh, it's a hindrance to your life. You only get one shot. I mean, yeah. Jake got two shots at this, but you only get one shot at this shit. Yeah, I think it, it varies because, I mean, from Avery Brooks's Cisco's performance in the show, it, Benjamin Cisco's whole thing, I think, was that he was like, I want my son to live a full life mm-hmm. and not be bo- and you know what I want as a father is for my son to not to be anchored to me. I want him to go forward and live his life and I want grandchildren goddammit. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but then it turned but then ultimately if you look at it in a longer view it's like Jake is saving things by resetting it because he knows that he's kind of wasted his life by being, you know, obsessed with his father but he could fix it. By fixing it he kind of keeps the series moving forward. <laughs> it as a one-off it works differently than as an arc series kind of yeah i think that the theme is that don't do this you're wasting your life right 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 right. uh but they also like but we're a sci-fi show so we don't have to end this with the most depressing ending in the history of the world (laughs) right 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 so we'll fix it we'll fix it with space bungee cords and i was a little like at first i was like oh wait a minute 
they wait. They spin this whole framing device with this Melanie Andrew Robinson's <laughs> daughter. Then they kick her out at the end yeah. to reset. Yeah, that <laughs> like, is. You know, like I thought, if we were doing the what would I would fix, I would make her like, oh, you're here to be Whitney. the documenter of this experience. That was okay. And okay, but there's like, one thing that like your your father pops in on you. You're now old man, and there's this like young girl. <laughs> like, yeah. What would Jake? What, what yeah. what's going on here, Jake? I mean, I mean, like good 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 on you, but what's going on? Here? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, and there's a time when she says goodbye and she kind of kisses him yeah. on the cheek and it's like it's not. No, 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 no. Their anything. relationship's not no, weird I, at I really all. Th- I think, but they, I think it would be weird for Avery. Of, of it. it would be right. weird for Ben Cisco to face. He it. just pops in when he sees his daughter, like this night, this 18 year old girl kissing his 100 year old yes. son. It's like, wait a minute, what the yes. fuck is going on here? Yeah, uh, is this a is this a bad time? Uh, <laughs> yeah. But it's pretty chaste. He's just, uh, my whole thing was when she kisses him on the cheek, you see like a light light up in his eyes, and thematically, I didn't take it as a creep moment. I just saw it as, I mean, obviously, but I saw it as him recognizing the value of human connection. Yeah. And when he's like, she's kissing me goodbye, and, and I'm an old man, and I realized what I squandered was connecting to the present and other people. And then with this rubber band subspace thing, oh, I have a final, I have a chance to make it right. I can solve this and tell my dad to dodge the laser bolt. <laughs> Or Thunderbolt, and but if I had to do it again, yes, it would be all about human connection, and now I can do that. And it's, a, I mean, I think that's a good lesson. Yeah. But. No. I, yeah. You guys have any final thoughts before we go into the I come, the review? Uh, yeah, I want to come. Like uh, Avery Brooks went on and said that like this is his personally his favorite episode, and why it's personally his favorite episode is because he got to act with no, um, <laughs> it's because <laughs> it's a story about black families that's not about their blackness yeah and that that it's a sustained story like it's not like a minor thing or a b you know it's not like and you gotta think on 93 like there were shows that had black families good times jefferson's all of these things there were tons of them but the show is kind of uh, 80s, yeah yeah, yeah. did but you there just was, describe 73 or 1993 what yeah i'm saying in history there were shows oh. like that but there had, but it's almost those were shows about blackness and and right. living like uh, were framed in a, a sort of a civil rights context. Even the Cosby Show did uh, to some degree. Mm-hmm. But um, to watch this over the course of a sci-fi episode, largely made for white people, let's just admit it, um, on a syndicated television and a space show, to to have this essentially be like a like a long story about not just black families but specifically fathers and sons which have always been sort of a yeah, you know yeah. like a like a there's been a paucity of those kinds of stories and he just liked being a part of that and that in no way was a civil rights issue was told in the past was you know that wasn't about these sort of struggles but just about like human struggles uh, and that was a yeah, I mean, I think that, that that may have been a moment that only like could have happened at that moment. So, I mean, it's it, it's nice that you're it's it's a way that yeah. Star Trek, which is a show that sort of thrives on status quo, is really sort of is pushing boundaries in this kind of interesting right. way. Right. That's my main complaint about the whole legacy of Star Trek is that it seems to retread mm-hmm. and not when it has a chance to push boundaries. But and, and like the I just love the pure like fresh storytelling exactly. a- aspect mm-hmm. of this. And but I yeah. think that's his point. Right. I think that is his point is that it right. is 
It's a show that we've talked this entire episode about that we didn't talk about anything about African-Americanness, where it's, you know, a show largely about, you know, all about African-American people. And I just don't know if in 95 they saw that, sci specifically sci-fi, uh, in that kind of context. So, yeah. so no, that, that was why he said that. And I think, you know, I think that that's an interesting... Uh, you guys want to venture a guess on what the good people of IMDb think of this episode? Mm, it's a highway. We're this in is, the nines. Yeah. If we could read the dedication to my father, who <laughs> is coming, coming home. home. Yeah, oh, who's coming home. Here to my... I'm going to say this is a pretty... I'm going to say a 9.3 for this one. So I, I, that that was pretty much where I'm at. Do I go higher or lower than you? I'm going to go higher. 9.4. We have 1,497 votes. Holy shit. That's like 500 more votes than we've gotten for anything. <laughs> this is... Uh, that's 1,000 more votes than we got. With, <laughs> I mean, the, the, the average is around like 530. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, this is a 9.1. Oh, okay. It's still high. Let's not, let's Which like... I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, honestly, if it gets much higher than this. I don't know if, yeah. I don't know if they have one higher than 9.1 on the scale. Maybe a 9.3 is maybe the wire. I don't remember. I don't think the wire was over. Uh, uh, wire. This not is the wire. No, I'm talking. Duet uh, didn't go over that. I think, maybe. I think 9.1 was duet. Duet, maybe. It'd be interested to see Pale Moonlight and beyond the beyond the and, stars uh, the, beyond far, the star, beyond the far beyond the stars I'd be yeah. i mean obviously we don't want to we don't want to cheat but i'd be interested to see where those are no <laughs> right. no I, no yeah, those yeah. are the highest yeah. probably so yeah you're right. so i mean from from my totally unbiased perspective i know that there's the ones people so, talk about I mean, and the writer of this episode mick taylor is the credited teleplay writer of in the pale moonlight he's not the actual writer of that no. episode but he is the credited writer for it so yeah. So uh, that episode went through all of the greats. Like it seems like it passed through. Oh snap! Around the fields and this. Yeah. I got it. I brought it up. I brought up the stats, and I'm not gonna ruin it for you. Okay. But I will tell you that there's only two episodes on IMDb that are rated higher than this one. Are both of them ahead of us? Yeah, both of them are, are ahead of us. I think, I, I think that we've done a good job of naming which two duet they are. Is duet? Duet? No, no, no. Duet was a nine nine point oh. Yeah. And it's right and it's it's the so according to IMDB, the visitor, the episode that I think is just a really good episode, <laughs> not the best thing I've ever seen in my entire life, is uh a nine point one. And duet was right below it at nine point I don't. I don't remember you. I mean, okay. I, I'm not. Gonna, I'm not gonna call your personal taste of the question here, but like, I don't remember you drawing a lot of critique of. No, no, it's a, it's a good episode. Uh, it's just like my only critique is, I hate old people. <laughs> uh, you hate old people. Uh, okay. No. Old, old people. Okay, so you're an ageist. Old okay, that's fine. Uh, I hate. At least I know where you're coming from. Okay, I, I get what you're I'm saying. I'm sorry. The air conditioning's off, and I'm getting like little. A little lethargic. <laughs> That's no, I, I hate old people makeup. Uh -huh. And the techno babble, while s probably sound, still confused me at moments. Okay. Um, and maybe... You're like an old person. I am like an old person. <laughs> um, which is ironic, since I hate them. So, anyway... Old people hate no, old I, people, too. That's why they keep trying to take away their I thought it was. Right. I thought it was yeah, fine. Well, they keep voting <laughs> yeah. shittily. Right? Yeah, I'm sorry. We keep it. So, you think... Yeah. <laughs> I was like, we haven't gotten political on this episode that much. Way of the Fuck Warrior you, people. was... Eight, Way of the Warrior, our last one was 8.9. So, here we've got an 8.9... And then we've got a 9.1. I mean, so whatever. Yeah, it's starting off pretty yeah, strong. Whatever in, juice in, in was going four. out of the writer's room. And I think, and I, and 
I, if I remember correctly, it's gonna run out soon. No, 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 no. <laughs> if I remember correctly, everybody on the cast calls this the most even season. So, and to start off so high, yeah, I think that's like, pretty fair. Uh, like you know, I so I think whatever was going on in the writers' room, like it's working. Like they finally got the mojo working. So, yeah, and it's probably because they had to write around All some right. shit they hated. I think it's time to move on to um, transmissions from the Great Link, <laughs> or uh, the Goo, or. Most of your popular podcasts want to have their segments recognizable, but we're not about that. We're about what's happening in the moment. Yeah, yeah. We... How are you doing? It's all right. Everything's going to be all right. I thought it was a dream. When I saw you in my quarters, I, uh, I should have felt you were alive. I should have known it. It's not your fault, Jake. I'm here now. That's what matters. It won't be long now. Jake, no! All right. No nonsense this time. I'm just going to play some voicemails. Let's go fucking dive in. Get my gem suit on. Here, <laughs> <laughs> there is something in Breath of the Wild called the rubber suit. Oh, man. All right. Y'all ready for this? Yes. Yeah. Hey, this is Greg from North Carolina. I was calling after listening to the Way of the Warrior podcast, and I think one really nice thing about Warp in DS9, it definitely comes up in Way of the Warrior and also subsequent episodes, won't go into detail, is the fact that TNG always talked about Warp as being this warrior, and there's one episode where they're even like, I won the Batleth Championship. But he always kept losing to the guest alien of the week. Sometimes it was as blatant as, this guy's a better fighter than Worf, and he gets knocked down. Sometimes it was more, well, they're an energy being, can knock him out without him even touching. It was unfair. But every time, Worf gets knocked out to make sure that you know this is serious. And, of course, just like in wrestling, if somebody loses all the time, you stop taking them as a serious threat and start going like, oh, oh it's time for Worf to get knocked down. <laughs> DS9 does a much better job of selling the idea that he's a warrior, not by having to be super confident, but making clear that he can at least hold his own in almost any situation and can take out the average Klingon because he is real dedicated to the fighting thing. So that's also part of the repair work. I don't think you forgot it. You had a long episode, so you were trying to get to the most relevant part. But it's something that I really like is that part of his introduction is without going over the top, establishing that Worf is pretty competent at his chosen areas. And if he's not competent in others, he's learning. He's not dumb. And that, I think, is how TNG mostly wasted him. Not that, not that he never got a story, but that he often came off as kind of dumb when he wasn't about fighting things. And when he was fighting things, he often lost so that they looked formidable. That's all. Have a good day. <laughs> yeah, they, they treat him with a certain amount of respect and show him as competent with room to grow. I think that's a great, right. that's, yeah. a good, that's a good assessment, I think, of, yeah. of the character's introduction or just how the character's treated in general on the show. So right, yeah, right, yeah. Right. He doesn't lose a fight in this very one. insightful call. Like Jad, you know, like, and otherwise like Jadzia, you know, goes up against him and, you know, I feel like other shows might make it where she like takes him to the ground and says, ha ha ha. You think like she did in, um, uh, blood oath, which was good that she, you know, won up these Klingons and everything. And this one, she's like, she still loses the wharf. <laughs> It's like Worf has his Fast and the Furious contract where he can't lose a fight now. 
He did. There is some stuff about how Michael Dorn kind of like they concocted this idea without talking to Michael Dorn or putting him on the show. And then they went to him and he kind of had his way with uh, with Paramount. Uh, and one of the big things is that I guess he's a licensed pilot. Uh, like, you know, mm-hmm. he's one of those joy pilots like like Harrison Ford. Like Harrison Ford. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and he had in his they had wrote him into his contract at TNG that he couldn't fly. Oh. And and like and he made them take that out like and he made more money and like so like he he had him over a barrel I think to get it in there and then I think Avery Brooks also took the opportunity to 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 get some more power over Paramount <laughs> to get a haircut <laughs> to get a haircut and I think there's some other perks too yeah so, I'm sure you got a yeah yeah so and- uh yeah, no, I, I think that... Then he tried that shit again on uh, Star Trek Discovery, and they're like, we'll give you five bucks. Yeah, we'll give you five bucks, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, fuck y'all, I'm yeah. out. That's fine. It keeps him pure for when I get my uh, my Emperor mm. Worf uh, show off the ground. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> yours is the best pitch. It is the best pitch. It's it's an amazing pitch. I, I'm a, <laughs> um, but no, uh, it does seem with TNG was a little bit, especially like as you get on with the season... It is too much focused on Spiner and, and Stewart. Stewart, rightfully, and I mean both of them are great actors, but it seemed like there was a lot of data, data centric episodes. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of like. Well, you could blame Spock for that. Yeah. I mean, you have your special man. Yeah, the show's got to be about the special man and the captain. Mm-hmm. No, I yeah. agree, and I but think Worf you're is, right. Worf is a special man of sorts, but yeah, you're right. I think that early on in the show, Brent Spine, I mean, Brent Spiner is a talented actor, uh, like, I, you know, better than sort of a, an anomaly to me that he hasn't had a better career outside of Star Trek. But like, you know, like, like we say Jonathan Frakes is a fine actor. Jonathan Frakes is a type of actor, like a television like type, um, like Brent Spiner seemed to like cut above, like and 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 was pretty good for a long time. But it did seem that that really stifled a lot of character development for the others, yeah. That's uh, in the second half of TNG. Like, I don't know. Is there like I don't really know where Beverly what, what a Beverly Crushel's emotional thread was in the seventh well, season, she got, and she got she got more in the second half of it actually than she did. The well, first, she quit. They, she quit being fired. So right, right, and they had like they got some female writers in. Yeah, to, like. Well, they should. She should have had a hell of a lot because she had a crush on the man that was responsible for having her husband right, killed. Right. So that that they should. There was a lot of the territory that they should have mined with Beverly yeah, Crusher's character. I mean, the character. problem is when they did start giving her stuff, it was usually like, "Well, what does she want? Let's talk about romance or what man she's in." You know, mm-hmm. they right. really kind of flunked the Bechdel test on it. Like, yeah, yeah, but. You know, they did give her more, and they let her fi- finally. Rick Berman let her direct an episode. You know, and Worf was lucky enough to have the Ro- Ronald D. Moore, who just kind of took over his character and storyline, and yeah, and really ran with it. And they let him. So, uh, you know, I mean, I, he had the he had the benefit of like everybody fucking loved Klingons from the original series. Yeah, which yeah. was and the movie detriment yeah. at the beginning that Roddenberry didn't even want to talk about old aliens. But when he died, they're like, yeah, yeah, let's do it up. So, yeah. So, and I, it's true. Uh, like, I, I, I think that's true. And I think that this, this show is much more equitable mm-hmm. about letting everybody grow as it barrels to its, to its finale. Um, I can't speak for Voyager, but like, you're right. I think that that Michael Dorn's better here. And I, and, he, and some of that's because he's a bigger fish in a smaller pond. 
um, right, in this right. show. But yeah, no, he's great. Well, do you uh, you guys want to? I think that we should remind people that we need uh, re- nice reviews. Oh, yeah, on I keep iTunes. I say at the end of every podcast, I feel like do all the things that all the other podcasts ask you to do. But I don't know if you guys know what those are because you don't see <laughs> And I don't, I mean, listening isn't, is enough. But if you want to help us out, yeah, do the, do the other stuff. Yeah, 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 do that. Um, uh, tell your friends. Us, yeah, tell, talk uh, a, yeah, subscribe. I see several of you talking us up on Twitter. That's always good. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the OCD in me wants at least as much reviews as the next person above us because it's a, it's a, it's a large round. Uh, 10 digit uh, integer so oh. I, I'd like to that makes me and it's tricky because our international reviews don't show up on US iTunes so it does suck I do like that we have an international like I like that about us uh, about us yeah, that me we have an international. Oh, yeah. our audience yeah wonderfully mm-hmm. yeah I read we read all your reviews we yes. might read them on the air if we got some. Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely that would we do be that. A, yeah, we would. We would read your review if you haven't wrote us a review yet, which I think probably most of you have. But uh, we'll read them on the air. Yeah. All right. Even the bad ones. Even the negative. Okay. Especially the negative ones, folks. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Those oh yeah. Favorite. If you don't, if you leave us a negative one, no, definitely the SGW get uh-huh. Tumblr tier. Yes. Yeah, we'll need. We'll see an in your ass and give your name. We'll threaten to give your address out. And if you apologize, we will if withhold. You call. You I have your phone number. No, I'm. I'm not going to dox yeah. anybody's phone number. No, we don't dox. Okay. <laughs> do Do we have any other business? Uh, no. All right. No, I got nothing. All right. Yeah. Give us a call at nine one seven four zero eight three eight nine eight. And yeah. All, All right. right. Well. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. Three to beam out. All right. Boop. Do you know the cunt weasels that run this show have a call in line where you can express your DS9 wishes and DS9 dreams into their ear holes? They will play them on air and try to be nice to you because one day they hope to sell you Blue Apron snacks and underwear made out of Modal. The number is 917-408-3898. That number again is 917 408 You will probably want to talk about how hot Dax and Bashir are, that is great. These pretentious asses also love it when people say they are wrong. So feel free to do that. James will probably go off on a knowingly obtuse rant about construction issues or political sophistication we know you love that. Again 917-408-3898 Did you know that some Deep Space Nine podcasts have more reviews than us on iTunes? Doesn't that piss you off? Please review us on iTunes. We need to feel loved sometimes.